guys, I'm André Villas-Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, future is lily white, come on your spurs. Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 10, Episode 27. I'm Jack. I'm ASD. Who are you, Chris? Oh, and I'm Chris. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, this whole thing is just makes me so depressed that I don't even know who I am anymore. Oh, that's literally one of the best starts to a pod we've had for ages. That's so good. That's up there with when Don forgot his own name. Um, that's, that's fantastic. Um, we've got quite a lot to talk about, but we're going to start by discussing that Jose post with him embracing he who shall not be named, but it's, it, him with John Terry, all smiles, nice little hug. What do we make of it? There's two parts to this. Uh, there's the fact that he hugged him for the cameras in front of everybody. And then there's the fact that he posted the picture of it on social media. Now, I'm nodding vehemently. And, and it's worth going back and talking about the man that is John Terry as a, as a human being. This is the man who is racist, has never denied it, was racist towards uh, a fellow footballer and didn't come out and apologise. He uh, There's lots of alleged stories. He allegedly just parks in disabled pa- spaces and pays the fine. There's rumours of urinating in the corners of nightclubs. There's, you know, he comes from good stock. His mum allegedly nicking tracksuits from M&S and his dad maybe being a dealer this is all allegedly and um he's he's an awful human being and to top it all off sleeping with his best mate's wife um so that's the man we're talking about do you remember there was a game we played against Chelsea where Ledley King got sent off and I have never seen him so angry never and it was at my end at the old White Hot Lane so in the north uh it was um, Park Lane, not Paxton Road. I don't know which way. I don't it is, right? this. And he was, and it was something happened in the goal mouth. There was some kind of a, something happened, and Ledley got sent off. But I have never seen him so angry. And it was all around John Terry. And I, I've, I've got nothing apart from what I, what I saw on that day. There was no talk about it. It was a while ago. So, like, you know, if it was now, it would have been analysed to death on social media. But, you know, it was kind of before. I mean, I joined Twitter in, what, 2012? And it was probably before that, you know. I remember, um, I remember, I remember there being an incident where John Terry got sent off. Maybe John Ledley. Terry. Maybe. And there was, yeah, I remember that. Oh, sorry, it, Ledley it, didn't. Yeah, so you're right. John Terry got sent off, but Ledley was yeah. furious. I think and I in a way that... Time. Yeah, because it was down the Paxton Road, and you're right. There, it was. There was like a corner got whipped in, and it went out for a goal kick, and then this eruption of whatever, and then a red card came out, and everyone was like, "Who's who's been sent off?" And it was terrible. But you're right. I remember King being like held back, which yeah. was just like so out of character. You've never, I've never seen him like that. Yeah, I got everything wrong. So it was John Terry that got sent off. I was the wrong end of the pitch, but whatever. I remember it. <laughs> Uh, thankfully I still I do know what my name is still um but I remember it really vividly for it being really out of character Mm. for Ledley and that was around John Terry anyway I digress I took us off track there ASD go keep going well that's the man we're talking about and that's the the fact that Chelsea with all their links to the national front with all their links to racism have never stopped 
that his, his, he he won father of the year the year before he slept with Wayne Bridge's wife and this is the man ignoring everything else he was the Chelsea captain but on top of that he's a racist and he symbolizes everything our club hates and for so that's the argument against him he is obviously the assistant manager or whatever he is at Villa and obviously the argument for it is he was the bedrock of um, the Chelsea defence. He was the heart, the spine. The, it was everything that uh, that Jose loved. He's a fantastic captain outside of on the pitch. I don't think you'd, there's, there's anything you want more from a captain. And they are friends. Now, I, I think Chris and I are very firmly in one camp that he shouldn't have done either the hug in public. And we'll go into reasons why. Or we'll put it on social media. But Jack, where do you stand on it? Um, I think I don't have as big a problem with it as most people do, if I'm totally honest. Um, I just think that the timing of it is horrific, given that this he's under him and the team are under so much scrutiny at the moment, and people are already so alienated by the tiniest little things. There's something like that is just really not going to help your stock. If we were top of the league, ten points clear, I think people wouldn't be as bothered by it. But I think given everything that's going on, we have had the, a dreadful week that it was just wasn't a great thing to do. I just think that it just felt a little bit unnecessary. That was what I thought it was a bit strange more than anything when I saw it. I was just sort of like, I've got no problems with him going and saying hello. Like I, I, it, it would be strange for him to not do that. But for, to make it such a public thing and post about it, I thought it was just a bit I thought it was a bit strange. I mean, the club's not exactly covered itself in much glory this week anyway with the Joe Hart post after Zagreb either. Um, I just thought it was it was poorly timed and poorly advised, really. And you've got to think as well that, that there'll be a social media team behind it. So it's like it's not it's not all Jose doing that. But um, yeah, I don't I don't mind it that much. Like, like I said, I think it would have been weirder if, he, if he'd have completely ignored him. Um, if they were both players... Then I think it's different, but I don't know. I just I'm I'm that top stuff. You wouldn't stuff ignore him though, Jack. The thing is, like you wouldn't ignore him, like you say. He's the is the assistant manager, whatever. You'd give him a handshake and maybe whatever. But he made a point. You could see it. He made a point to like hug him, kiss him practically. You know, whisper in his ear, like you know. And he exaggerated it all. And so I, you know, I was watching because I'd switched it off after the game yesterday. So I saw that on match of the day. And it made me feel uncomfortable. And then to see that post today, it just, uh, to me, it felt like a dig at us. We were talking about it on the Proudly Lewis WhatsApp. And, you know, one person said it's, you know, maybe it's a dig at the players who haven't given their all to the cause. And that, you know, if you've got a good relationship with your manager, you run through a brick wall for them, for the badge of the team. Maybe, except I'm not sure, again, like that John Terry should be anybody's role model. Or is it his way, someone else said, it's his way of saying, look, I can man-manage, and if the team gave as much to me in the shirt as Terry did for that lot, then we could be giants. Now, mm. I imagine it's probably a bit of that, as well as having a dig at us. And and that's, again, it's not anything I want anywhere near us. You know, pre- precisely for the, the points that ASD made about who, who the man is. And it's like, if that's really what we're holding up as an exemplar, no thank you, I'll leave that at, at at Chelsea. Mm. I just think I just think that the post should have been praising the likes of Jaffet Tanganga, Joe Roden, or just yeah. or something to sort of say 
we've bounced we've bounced back you know with a good result like and we'll, we'll come on to Villa in a bit but that that would have just been a more appropriate and better po- like it was just an opportunity after a win to show that the team's together I just I just thought it was just a bit strange all of it but yeah it I, it doesn't it doesn't bug me as much as what it's bugged a lot of other people it's it's triggered me a little bit so you know I I, I don't I I don't like discrimination. Now, everyone doesn't like discrimination, but there's a black and white line here, ironically. He's a racist. This man is a racist. Jack, you're one of my best mates. But if you started, if you just turned out to be overtly racist, then I'd dump you. As a, you know, I'd dump you. If my wife, I'd leave my wife if she became a racist. Like, it'd be the world's worst thing. And he it, it shouldn't, it's, it's showing support of that. And then it, I, I don't mind the Chelsea tie as much. It's the racism thing. And there's a bit of me which is just going, your job isn't, you're not mates now. You could see him afterwards. You can see him before. You can text him anytime. This has got nothing to do with football. I want, you cannot go in a, in a documentary that you want us to be nasty knuts. See you next Tuesday. And then go off and be best mates with the enemy, the former captain of our enemy. You can't do that. I want to see exactly like Neville. Go and type in Gary Neville tunnel with his brother Phil Neville. Gary Neville's captain in Manchester United. Phil Neville's captain in Everton. Gary Neville blanks him. Same with Schmeichel when they weren't... Um, oh, when the Schmeichel one's great. He tries Schme- to shake his hand. Yeah, And, and Gary Neville ignores him because Schmeichel's playing for City now. You do not do that, he says. And you that... Being going to City is nothing like being a racist. I thought, absolute disgrace. Maybe it is a message. It, that's definitely not the way to send the message. I, it was just bad. But well, It's definitely deliberate. I think that's the point. Regardless mm. of whatever the message is, we could speculate for ages. But it's like, why would you, in the, in the middle of all of this now, what are you doing? It's like he's taunting us. Mm. I don't I, think it's necessarily a message to the players. I think he's taunting us. Like you can say whatever you like. I'm totally protected, and I can do what I want. If I if I was to <clears throat> play devil's advocate here, though, if we were to pl- if we were to play PSG next season, let's say we we're in the Champions League, you'd expect like I know this is, doesn't include the racism bit, but you'd expect Poch and Kane or what, do you know what I mean to sort of embrace like that, and they'd probably put a thing out there. So is is that is that any different, or is it is it because it's Spurs and Chelsea? Unless. For me, it's the race. Sorry, Chris. For me, it's the racist angle. Like, let it is Chelsea, but for me, it's the race. If yeah, it's the racism angle for me. I, it, Chelsea's not great. Professionalism's not great. Supporting racism is the worst. Mm. I think I'm with ASD on that one because I think you know there's plenty of players that come back to White Hart Lane and we give them a very nice um, round of applause. They normally announce it, didn't they, over the tannoy? Welcome yeah. back to White Hart Lane to yeah, Wayne Routledge. I'm happy to do that. You know, like they never said welcome back to White Hart Lane to Sol Campbell for obvious reasons. Um, I mean, that is an Arsenal thing as opposed to anything else. And I mean, that's a whole other story. I, I, I'm not a fan of fixating on Sol Campbell, to be fair. I think it's like long gone. I don't know why we still bother about it. But as I say, that's another thing. But um, I think it's definitely it's definitely the racist thing. And, and you know, that's not the same with Poch. We've got a lot to thank Poch for. We haven't got anything to thank John Terry for. In fact, he's been a scourge on the English game. Is that how you say it? Scourge, scour, score, I don't know. <laughs> he's not been good for the English game. <laughs> Shall we have a little talk about the games then from the last week? A little talk. 
just um, a little. Like one thing, Jack. When you when we uh, previewed the uh, Zagreb game, the last game, <laughs> I only said, "Don't fuck it up." Do you want to excuse my language? Do you want to remind everyone what you said? Oh, I just said we don't need to spend too much long talking about this. We're two 0 up. We can't lose this. Like we can't. There's just no way. Um, I, do- I don't know about you, but like I just, it felt like a game. Like, within the first five minutes, it felt like a game where it could happen. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes you just get a feeling about a game and just something just wasn't right from the very first minute. Um, and it was just a very, very nervy first half an hour. And I mean, when the goal started going, and you're just thinking, how is this happening? Um, do, you think it's, do you think it's a, a Spurs thing or do you think it's every club? Because I reckon I could walk in and within five minutes of being in the ground, know exactly how the game's going to go. Or know exactly what effort the team... It's very rare that something changes unless it's a big derby and we, or we go a goal. It's very rare that there's some form of stimulus, a goal mm. or the crowd, and something changes. It's usually from the beginning, especially, yeah. weirdly, in European games and cup games. It's those. It's the Europa League away games. Where it's like <laughs> anything can happen in a Europa League away game. It's like there's just something so strange about it. But it was... You know what? It was, you can lose games of football and you're going to lose games of football at any level. What, what, you know, whether or not you're playing Saturday League or you're playing a World Cup, you're good, you can lose games of football. There's a manner in what you do it. And that Zagreb game, the third goal, I just thought summed Tottenham Boys. for the last two and a half years up where it was just it was just passive. Like There was like four players that were around the guy with the ball who had the game of his life, didn't he? Let's be honest. I mean, he scored a hatchet. Like, he'll probably get a move in the summer off the back of that performance. But... He picked the ball up midway in his own half, didn't he? And ran all the way to the edge of our, edge of our box. And nobody even got close enough to kick him. Do you know what I mean? It was just, it was so, so poor. Um, the moment of the game, though, has to be, and I don't know if you've seen it, with about three minutes to go, somebody plays a square pass to Sissoko, who's on the right wing, and with his left foot, he just lumps it back into our own half. And it was just absolute. It's like if ever a clip summed up Mr. Sissoko, that was it. It's like attack, attack, attack. And he cleared the ball into our half from the opposition's half. Bizarre. Um, he, I just, he almost went I to just, West Brom, didn't he? Sorry. He almost went to West Brom, if you remember. He lost. Yeah, I've just did a bit of research on it. And he, he was meant to be at West Brom, but they couldn't just get to the details, couldn't arrange the final bits. Um, I just think in a game like that, like, especially like at 2-0 like I just couldn't believe that nobody like just put in a big challenge just like do something to try and you know you say there I still but you get a feeling about what a game's like straight away like how did no like if I'd have been planning that like, how were you not frustrated like you'd have just snapped somebody just to try and get the team going a little bit and you know Hugo's interview after the game was scathing which and I was like he's completely right but then that frustrated me because I was like where was that you know, not this, not just on him, but where was that reaction during the game? Like, it's all good coming out afterwards and saying this wasn't good enough, that wasn't good enough, we should have done more. It's like we'll do more. Like I just, it was just a really baffling performance um, and devastating for the season. Absolutely devastating. There's, but there's so much to unpack, though. I think because you know, like you think about how I know we, we've talked about this endlessly, as every Spurs fan does. But it's like how we set out how we set out as a team. And as a fan, I want to support our team, not worry about the opposition. And that's what I want from the team as well. I want us to play to our strengths and not try and nullify the opposition. Of course, if you need a plan, should you need to address something? 
but that's being our MO. No thanks. And no one is coming out of this well. Like, not the manager, not mm. the players, not the fans, because I think, you know, like, taking to social media or whatever and, like, absolutely crucifying each other, the players... You know, those are human beings going about their job, even if you don't think they've done a great job. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm not up for that. And then also the best negotiator in the business, because we know he's a good negotiator, to do a £15 million a year deal with no break clauses. So mm. what happens if we're going to do the, you know, ah, uh, and, you know, it's a culture of fear. We're not playing to strengths. A manager who seemingly only thinks of himself and how he comes across. And we wonder what happened. And they don't look like they're having fun. You know, my friend Ali's a football coach. Coach Ali, check her out on Twitter. She's really good. And, you know, she was sort of saying they don't look like they're having fun. Whatever level you play at, you perform your best when you're relaxed and enjoying it. And the and mindset is everything. And the coach is integral to creating an environment in which the players can thrive. And just because he might not... OK, he says he hasn't instructed them to sit back. OK. Doesn't mean they've been coached or helped to feel comfortable and confident in pushing up. And and it's not about the fact that they knew it from pot. Just like you're constantly working on your craft. This is our jobs. This is their job. And if you think about like we talk about a culture of continuous learning and continuous improvement in jobs where people do well and uh, succeed, it would be the same in football. And, no, you know, no one's immune to fear of failure. We all need encouragement. We all need support. We all need direction. And I just... I, it just beggars belief that we've got to this place and that we've and that, and that it's been allowed to happen. And none of us are. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say on, on your point there, though, Chris, about the coaching. I think is uh, I think is bang on. It's like I th- I've made this point pretty much since Jose took over that when you watch us play, we have no pattern of play in the final third. Like yeah. we 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 have we have none. And it's like if you watch any team in the in the top half of any of the top divisions, really in Europe. Each team's got sort of a style of attacking. Um, if you think about City, you know, every if I say to you, imagine a, a Man City goal, it's Raheem Sterling getting to the byline, back post cross, Aguero taps it in. Like, that's the type of goal. Liverpool, you know, what type of goal would they score? Like, it, it, a lot of sides should have an identity and have a pattern of play in the final third. And we just do not have that now. So that's definitely a question mark on the whole coaching staff. But the thing from the Zagreb game was, I agree with you in terms of the mentality. Like you have to approach that game just a one-off game. Like don't go there thinking we're two 0 up. Like that's just dangerous. But we didn't. We didn't even like sit back. Like we didn't sit back and we didn't attack. We did. We did nothing. It was like it, it was one of them games where it's like I don't really know what the game plan was going into it. I I think that there was a lot of complacency going into it, yeah. and that they just sort of thought we've only got to get one. We'll easily get one against that lot. They're you know they they're no good. Um, and and look what happened. It's just, I mean, it just it does show that anything can happen in football as well. Like, because I mean, I can't think of even the most negative Spurs fan wouldn't have expected us to have gone there and lost three nil. Like, I just we, no, nobody could see it. So it was a devastating result. Um, it sort of it's tipped me from being just Jose in to now being just Jose out. Um, <laughs> Reason being that I've said all season that for me the ends justif- justifies the means, um, and I believed all season that with his track record the Europa League was something that was genuinely we had a really great chance of winning. It's a route into the Champions League for next year. Now that's gone, I'm sort of like, well, what happens now then? 
because it's like you know the league we, like we could win the league cup then that would be absolutely fantastic if we do but as Stato said on our, our group if we win the league cup you can end up in the Europa Europa League next year Europa League 2 which would just be you know you don't want to be no one wants to be in that competition do they um so now I just look at it and I just think I don't quite know where we go um but it's such it's such a bizarre and strange season because we're three points off of Chelsea and fourth and I just think like how are we three points off? like we're genuinely like I don't think we will get in the top four but we could get in the top four like, we could be playing Champions League football next season like how like it feels like we should be about 12th this season. Like, it's been so poor. We won four out of our last five league games. It's just like, have we? Like, I couldn't quite believe that when someone told me that stat earlier. We're at the top of the form table. Someone sent me that earlier. Only Tottenham could be at the top of a form table in a crisis at the same time. Yeah, it's just well, it's yeah. Bad, isn't it? And we're, we're mathematically... Uh, clear of relegation as well so we're in the Premier League next season so that's guaranteed well our next fixture Newcastle gonna win that I would say then Man United Everton Man City so bank on anything and we often we off we could you know we're not we're not um averse to losing one nil against Newcastle yeah, that'd be, that's such a Spurs result. The, oh. the most typical Tottenham result is Spurs nil, Newcastle one in an early season game. That is just a classic yeah. Tottenham result. Do you remember the game Tim Krull played that absolute blinder against oh, us? Oh, well, just everything. He it was amazing, everything. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it's worth saying congratulations. I know we we haven't not said it, but congratulations to Zagreb because that must be the one of the greatest days in their history. Yeah. Like they came in. Like, imagine your manager's gone to jail. Like, you've just got to do it. And they did it. They did it in extra time. It must have been the best. That might be like a bit of an Ajax moment for I them. I would yeah. really love to know whether or not their manager that's in prison was able to watch it. Like, how did he find out? Like, I would what he did, he used, his, he used his one 30-second call to just phone up. They put him on speakerphone and he just went, lads, it's Tottenham. And then, then the guard came <laughs> and went, right, turn off. That's all that happened. Um, Let's talk a bit about Villa. Um because we bounced back, we won two nil. He changed it around. We went, we played a bit more of a throwback four four two, which I absolutely loved. Um, and I want to get your thoughts on, like, as supporters, like, what type of formation do you do you enjoy watching? But we went to a four four two. I thought the first fifteen minutes, I thought Villa are going to win this two or three nil. We looked so shaky. Mainly Davinson Sanchez at the back looks. Um, Joe Roden got him out of trouble so many times in that game. Um, That's good, didn't he? Um, it, it was great, Roden. I thought Tanganga at right back was excellent. Yeah, we said like, it last thought, week, though, didn't we? Like, actually, that it should be Jaffet at right back. Yeah, I thought I thought he played really, really well. So um, assured, and he's in the right place at the right time. You know. And yeah. he's, the thing is, as well, it's sort of like because he is a centre half, isn't he? But I I've actually watched him, and I think he looks more comfortable playing fullback at the moment than he does centre half. But he's he's obviously he can read the game, and he's clever, but he's such a fantastic athlete that it allows him to go and play fullback. Because, you know, you couldn't imagine, you know, any of our other centre-halves being able to go out there, like just physically to be able to cope with it, let alone to have the the sort of the game awareness and the technical skills that he's got. But I, I get really excited watching Tanganga. Like, I genuinely think we've got a really, really good player there. And How many defenders are there that can play all across the back four? 
Like, you just don't get any. And you can see how well he reads it as well. Like, he seems to be in the right place. Like, those blocks he was making, you don't just get there by accident. It's because you've got a real sense of what's going on on the pitch to to be able to get there. So, I think he was a highlight for me yesterday. He looks like he enjoys defending as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, this season, when you watch Sanchez, Dyer and Toby, like, you feel like they, they're not getting satisfaction out of, like, winning a header or putting a block in. But, like, with Roden and Tanganga, they just sort of strike me as, you know, they're not the best defenders in the world and they're young, but they could become brilliant. But it looks like, they you know, they love it. Like, Tanganga getting that block in from Ross Barkley towards the end of the game, and it's like, Joe Roden was so pumped up with that. And it's like, that's what you want to see. There is um, potentially, though, that they're just not jaded by it all yet. Not yet. That's what, that's what being a Spurs player does to you, doesn't it? <laughs> um but um, I, I also thought that Vinicius up top, I thought he was excellent. I, I thought he played really, really well. He led the line. I thought he held the ball. He made great runs to create space for Kane. He was aggressive. Like Those Villa centre-backs would have known playing against him that they had a, they were in a game. Like it just, it, it strikes me as one of them, well, this performance on Sunday struck me as one of them strikers that it would have just been uncomfortable to have, been, to have played against him for 90 minutes. Um, I thought about his goal though, genuinely as as he was just tapping it in, I was thinking, I'm so pleased it's not Ronnie Rosenthal in front of that goal. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been the thing that would have happened is that somehow he would have spooned it over the bar. Yeah, that's um, one of the most. If you've not seen that miss, just type it in on YouTube. It is the most incredible miss you will ever see. It's yeah. just baffling how you could miss from there. Um, but I thought Vinicius, I thought I, I was really pleased with how he played. And I felt like more in the second half, we played to his strengths a lot more. We were a lot more direct in the second half. And I thought first half, we struggled to really keep the ball and link play very well between defence, midfield and attack. But second half, we were a lot more direct. We got it up to him. He held it. Then all of a sudden, Ndombele was getting on the ball much higher up. And, and then we just sort of stamped our authority on in the second half. Um and there was a passage of play for about the last 20 minutes where we were, we were brilliant. They couldn't get the ball, Villa. Like, we looked in complete control of the game. And I was like, that's what we want to see a little bit more of. So I was really pleased with the result. I didn't expect it after the first 20 minutes. But there were some really, really good performances, which hopefully we can take into the next games after the break. And what about the penalty? Because there was like a hoo-ha that, he, you know, he was being cute and whatever. I, I just thought, actually... it. I don't know. I, I just thought he got fouled. It's a, it's a penalty. It's a penalty. The, the amount of hate that English fans, and I'm saying English very specifically, have for Harry Kane is crazy. I don't understand it. it and it's very similar to the Lacazette challenge that we got punished for last week. Yeah. If, if, if I go up and kick someone off the ball, it's a foul. He kicked him next to the ball. Like, I, I don't get it. I, it's a penalty. Let's move on. I've got, I've got, I've got two views on it. The first one is it's just a penalty. Like it is a pen. Like you can't, you know, there's no, there's no real debate on it. The second one is like whether or not we want to see that that type of thing. In, but that is football now. Do you know what I mean? The old school people would have probably looked at that and been like, oh, he's, dro-, you know, what I mean, he's gone into the tackle and all that. But that's what the game is now, unfortunately. Like whether or not you want to see that or you don't want to see. It. Like if you make contact with someone in the box, as much or as little as it is it's a penalty like if I was a Villa fan I would have been infuriated by it but mainly because it's like it's stupid defending and it's soft but it's still a penalty like it it, remind, it reminds me of 
one of the first games in lockdown when we played Man United and Dyer gave that penalty away against Pogba. Do you remember yeah. he just got the wrong side of him and he just like touched his shoulder and he went down. And it's like it's not enough contact to make him go over, but it's a penalty. It's mm. like as a defender, you just know if someone gets the wrong side of you, you just got to let him go. If you touch him, it's a penalty. Yeah, but I, I suppose there's no way of knowing what Harry Kane's intent was. But I think I took sort of slight objections to somehow he was he kind of milked it because I just think he got fouled. Mm. doesn't matter whether but the ball might have gone in another place. You don't know what happens when someone's like running towards you full pelt. So, I mean, you know, this is my in defence of Harry Kane, but I think ASD is right as well. It's like, well, I don't know why there's there isn't more love for him. And people like Spurs fans will all say it's penalty. Even Villa fans aren't saying it's not a penalty. And then people are watching what was essentially quite a very dull game. Uh, saw the game finish with 12 minutes to go and just wanted something to complain about. They want Spurs to fail. So I'm not too worried. I, I don't want to go overboard with praise. The defence was great, but they didn't have much to do. Um, and this is a championship team who have one world-class player in it and he wasn't playing. Like I'm not, I don't mean to be, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to be just neutral about it. Um, it's a game you'd expect us to win. But Jaffa had a good game. But and this is where I'm going, is that what I wanted to see from Jose is a different team is if it is because my my problem with him like yeah he's Chelsea whatever but my problem with him is he's a, he's the leader if the his job as a leader is not just to pick the team but to be able to motivate them or move them on now he's had three windows not three proper windows but if if it's the case where he's got senior players who are not doing what he needs them to do bench them put kids on the bench and that's what he did. And I was really happy to see us play 4-4-2 or I was really happy to see Alfie Devine on the bench. I was happy to see, right, Dyer, Delhi, Winks, I'm going to dump you. And, you know, he said there was a tweet that said that from Spurs that said Aurea and Toby weren't well, but they're both going to international duty. Great. I love that. Like, let's dump them. I would happily see all the under-21s play if it meant that they were the hungry kids and they were doing what Jose wanted them to do. That That's what you have to do in business. That's what you have to do in life. Like, you have to find some way to motivate people. And if, if that's the way, then that's great. And if people can't be motivated, then they shouldn't be a professional footballer. Like, I'm, this isn't a, they're earning 200 grand a week, they should be motivated. It, that's got nothing to do with it. It's a, for the sake of doing a good job, like that that's a neutral that's something that every human being should do and I was really happy I thought Mora had a great game as well I thought Mora was brilliant it's great to see Lasso back Mora's played well for the last seven or eight games like you know you know what you're going to get with Mora is unpredictability and inconsistency but he's a fantastic dribbler of the ball and you know what he's he's a player that when I watch when he gets the ball he, it does excite you because you're like, he's either going to do something absolutely crazy and the opposition might score from it, or he's going to beat three players and we're going to create something. And I quite like his unpredictability and his, his, his sort of rogueness when he gets the ball. Sort of, you're never quite sure what's going to happen. Um, I just really enjoyed seeing us play 4-4-2. Like, that might be a bit dinosaur-y of me, but, like, I love a, I love an old-school 4-4-2 with, like, a target man and wingers and, like, it's just, you know, fullbacks overlapping. It's just like old school football. And I, I just really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I, I, my um, I, my opinion on Moura is not very, is often not very popular. I mean, apart from like, you know, running into cul-de-sac since 2017 or whatever it is, 18 maybe. But um, I can't get over his support for the Brazilian president. And mm-hmm. I'm, so, I know we're not, so, you know, and I know it's like, 
it's difficult because you know but i think if we're talking about you know uh, like I, that's why i can't really get over jose i can't get over what he did to either carnero i can't get out of my mind that he gouged that other coach's eyes out that time like what look at it on youtube he literally poked someone's eye you know all the other things that we're talking about and then when you've got a lucas mura supporting um I know this is political, whatever, but supporting Bolsonaro, who is racist, homophobic, sexist, and sexist to the extent that he like defends rapists. He like defended a rapist in Brazilian Parliament. It's like I can't, I can't do it. I find it really difficult, mm-hmm. and it's difficult like when you're a football fan because there are all sorts of things that you sort of suspend sometimes from your from your own you know from the rest of your value system in order to be a football fan but there are some lines that I can't cross and one of them's around Lucas Moura and it's a shame because he might have changed his mind but I don't know that because mm. there was that problem with was it Aurea when he came but he came yeah, out very but, specifically and apologized right yeah he did and that's the thing it's like you don't want to you don't want to pathologize or criminalize people and Aurea came with um having made a homophobic statement, but he came saying, I understand I'm at Spurs. I understand that we, you know, we take diversity and inclusion really seriously. And I'm really proud to be part of that, mm. you know, and we and specifically kind of, you know, like there's a photograph of me standing next to Serge Aurier with a fair t-shirt because there was a specific thing that he was really keen to be part of the, you know, like to be part of the Spurs family and know that Proudly White's a part of that family. And he always wears rainbow laces and all the rest of it. So, and mm. I wouldn't do half the, th- I wouldn't do any of the campaigning things that I do if I didn't believe that people could change. But I suppose I want to hear from Lucas Moura that he's changed and then I can enjoy him in the same way that Jack does. Because I think I would otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> you know it, I mean? I'd love that, that, that sense of unpredictability that he could like do something amazing like he did in Amsterdam or he could just like lose the ball in seconds and and then everyone would be out of position because they thought, you know. So, yeah, so I've, Lucas, I've, if you're listening, please, can you tell us whether you're still in support of Bolsonaro so I can enjoy your football, please? Is actual, like to Lucas, let us know. His actual, um, his actual like footballing style is like he does strike me as like a Spursy player. Do you know what I mean? Where it's sort of like there are those moments, but were of absolute brilliance. But then equally, there are those games against mid-table sides where you just you just get absolutely nothing back from him. Um, yeah. But I, I think he's I think he's played very, very well the last half a dozen games, which has been needed. And, and you know, I don't know if that's formation change and all that, if or if something's just clicked, I'm not sure. But he, he's he's been one of the shining lights. Him and Tanganga, I thought, from from the weekend was 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 excellent. And it's just feels like Tanganga's not played anywhere near as much football this year. I know he's had his injuries and that, but he's just it's just felt like he's not beaten and, even in Europa League anywhere. And on the four four two, the only thing I would say, I I, I hear you, Jack, and, I, and to some degree I agree with you. However, a four four two doesn't have doesn't fit Delhi in it. No. You can't no. you can't have that kind of a player in a four four two. You want him kind of in a you know in a formation where you've got one up front and then you might have someone roaming behind. So so I think you know. Are you are you a Del Evangelist? I am Chris? a Del Evangelist. <laughs> so it's, but, we can't play Hoiberg and Dombele and Celso in a four-four-two either. Like we need another winger, and that that was the problem yesterday, right? We 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 could go too central, so you need another. But pretty absent, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, uh, it's nice to see him back. He's getting yeah, he's he's getting. I mean, back he's been out for a while, wasn't he? Like this, this season, he's he's barely played. So it's sort of like you know, it's going to take him probably a month to get up and running. Um, it's worth saying. Sorry, mate. 
Sorry. No, I was going to say, but I still, I still thought there were glimpses from him. Do you know what I mean? It's just like cleverly, he was just, he was just a bit rusty, wasn't he, on the ball? And it's just sort of like certain passes that, you know, it was just like a yard off, which like makes such a big difference. Yeah. Um, Tanganga as well, it's worth remembering, he's not a right back. I know he's, he's doing a good job, but people are judging him as a right back. He's just a young man learning his trade. And there's a bit of me which just goes, let's just see him and Tanganga at the back for every game. I know we're only three points off fourth, but they are the future. We know Toby isn't, Sanchez isn't really, Dyer definitely isn't. Let's just play him, at least one of them every single game because that's the only way they're going to get better and increase their value if that's the point of having him. Oh, I love Eric Dyer. I know. I know it's not a popular opinion. I just wish he put in as much effort to games as he does going to beat up people who chat shit about his brother. Like that that's all I want to see from him. You know what I mean? I want to see that anger. I want to see that passion. But I, I used I just, to absolutely love Eric Dyer. I think he's I, had I really that did. though. So what's changed? <sighs> There's reports in the media in there about players who have got gone to Levy uh, and said that they don't want to play under Jose. And that this is the crux of the issue now, and I'm I'm a little bit torn about because there's a bit, the hard line is Jose should be doing that job that he should have either got rid of them or he should be motivating them and any leader can do that. But there is a bit of me which is going, it spurs, like he can't just chop and change all the players. They haven't got infinite budget. He has to keep some of them. And if the players aren't playing for him, then it, that's on the players and the manager should be the, the voice that's in charge. So I, I, there's a bit of me that maybe they just got complacent and it's become a bit easy for them. My question with Dyer was... Sorry, just a bit on the players, but imagine if Eric Dyer, ASD, you just did a a, a a whole sort of thing about John Terry, right? Now imagine mm. if Eric Dyer felt the same way. Imagine if Eric Dyer felt the same way about the way that Jose man manages and what, all the things that he's done and all the rest of it. Because he's like a 26, 27-year-old man. He's kind of, you know, he's, he's, yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. character, Eric Dyer, right? And yeah. so... I, I think, you know, like, imagine if a few of them feel like that. It's like, I don't want to go and run through a brick wall for this man because actually I don't believe in him. You know, like, the, the people that, are, you know, that I've worked for, that I've kind of, that I've wanted to run through a brick wall for, have kind of shared my values. Yeah, and, yeah. The, and I can see that sort of the journey that we're going on together to achieve something together that I'm going to be proud of. And, and maybe that's, you know, maybe that's where they are. Maybe it's interesting. Maybe it's it's a point on how you manage people because the the way you manage the young people of today is very different to the Ferguson model or, or the Pulis model where you had to be a harsh authoritarian like you couldn't be a softer EQ skilled person and that's what you have to be now and the players some of the players are bigger than clubs like Mourinho comes from a place where the manager should be the biggest thing at the club I, mean, I know he's at Real Madrid and the club's bigger than the manager but you know you have a look at players like Pogba, like Kane, um, these are big, big social media things which don't re- rely on football for their whole influence and their whole income. And I think he needs a softer skills and maybe just doesn't have it anymore. Maybe he hasn't, he's got the balance I wrong. Think, I think I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, the thing that I struggle with, especially with the group of players that have been at Spurs a while, is that they had that with Pochettino and they're down tools under him. So it's like we've yeah. then we've gone in another direction. Yeah. Like we've come oh, absolutely oh. everything. Um and the and it and it's sort of like if they're not having Jose, it's like well sort of what 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 will they have? 
Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, I, I, I feel like you would either want to play for Potch or you'd want to play for Jose. There's not that many yeah. players that would maybe want to play for both of them. Um, but there seems to be a lot of players that don't want to play for either, which what really does worry me. This is this is the, the Jose light that's left for me, where like I am Jose out. He's not totally broken, but it's a bit of, he's not doing the job that he's supposed to do. When Has it improved since Potch left? No. No. Not at all. There's no plan. There's no passion. Like the minimum he was meant to do was sort a defence out. He hasn't. Nothing has got better. Has he got worse? I'd, I'd argue so. He's brought in a couple of good players. So has he done his job 18 months later? No. But do we, if in the summer, does he come out now? And like he's, it's, it's that interview that he gave afterward, after Villa. I actually really liked it where he said, uh, I, it's a good result, but I'm sad because why couldn't that have been done on Wednesday? And that's that's right. Like, and, and on, on match of the day, I just watched it. They debated whether he was trying to send the message or whether he was just telling the truth. He's cast that rod for his own back, right, by mm. playing all the games. So that that's just his his fault. Where you know, if, if Potch came out and said that, if Klopp came out and said that, we'd probably just believe him. Whereas Mourinho, we feel he's a tactician and a I don't know. He's just he's just a bit wily, but maybe he's just telling the truth. And it is sad. That's what we say on this podcast. It is sad that they can't do it. Maybe he's just telling the truth. So I would. There's a bit of me. I was going to say the difficulty we've got now is the club needs a rebuild. Like regard, like no one is disagreeing with that. It's just whether or not do you let Jose do it. Like that's that's what the question ultimately now is because if a new manager comes in, he's going to want to ship seven eight players out the same the same as, as what Jose does. So it's like whoever we put in charge of this rebuild, like has got to be backed and given time. And it's like the argument is Mourinho ne- has never done that in his career. He's ne- he's never been part of a rebuild. It's always been a, a three year cycle really, where he'll come in, he's already got a good team, you give him some money to improve it, he'll, and then he'll go. So that's where, like, my thinking now is, and right. I said this when we appointed him, I was quite happy for us to have a typical Mourinho reign where we have some success, we win stuff, and it all ends in tears and we have a horrific seed. But it's sort of like we've skipped all of the success, really, and we've just sort of, it feels like we're in the third year of a Jose cycle where it's yeah. players are not enjoying it, the football's bad, like, the results are so hit and miss. The thing is, it's like, because we're three points off a fourth in the League Cup final, we could still have one of the most successful seasons that we've had for a very, very long time. And I think that is what's keeping his job at the moment. If we were 11th in the league and 15 points off a fourth, I think he'd be gone. But there is still that glimmer and that naivety that some of us, including me, share that we still could put a run of five or six games together sneak into the top four and have some incredible performance against Man City and beat them and it's like it could happen whether or not it's going to I think is extremely unlikely but I think that that is what is just keeping him in a job at the moment is the fact that there's no way of saying for definite that we're going to have a dreadful season we could have the most successful Premier League season we've had for a long long time that is where it is so difficult and baffling at the moment we're also three points off ninth though that's what I mean. This is just the most strangest season ever. Like, you just cannot predict it. Like, if, if I have a look at the table, like, Liverpool are seventh. Like, they're, and they're, and how bad have Liverpool been? They're only five points off of Chelsea in fourth. 
yeah. and you just look at that and you think like how has how has that happened like we're only nine points in front of Leeds but we're only three behind Chelsea it's like it's the strangest season but also have- look at the uh, the other lot down the road like we were like we've been laughing at them all season and they're only what six four- points behind us yeah well it's it's worth saying that it is in a crazy season so we have to take that into the Jose results as well um and that some people would argue that he has done at least one rebuild because he did it in Inter where he brought in Eto Schneider and someone else and that the year after they went on and did the treble I'm not agreeing with that because three people is not a rebuild and three aging players is definitely mm-hmm. not a rebuild because a rebuild is setting the foundations and it is the young the medium age people and the it is sorting it all out from thoroughly mm. not and it's building a team which peaks at a certain point not just bringing in and it's embedding players. it's embedding like a culture and a philosophy as well which is like even deeper than just the players and the performance on the pitches and when you're rebuilding a whole a whole side from scratch it's not just about it's you're not playing fifa and you're just going to go and buy seven players and do you know what i mean there's so much more to it so mm. that's that's what my sort of big, big question mark is now, because I, I did think that when we brought him in, we had enough players. And I thought at the start of the season, I thought we had enough where we had a very, very good chance of getting Champions League football and winning a trophy. And it's sort of like, and if we'd have done that, brilliant. I'm I'm sort of in the camp now with it. Well, like I said, I'm, I've just tipped into Jose out. Um, if we finished fourth and won the League Cup this year, which would be an amazing season... I think I'd still want us to go in a different direction at the end of the year, even though he would have probably justified being given a large sum of money to rebuild it because he would have come in and done more than you know what anyone's done. But I, I just sort of think that there's there are so many question marks that even a really successful season like that, for me, would be papering over the cracks still. So I think that I'm happy for him to sort of stay until the end of the season because you know we could we could do the impossible still even though i'm saying do the impossible it's only finishing fourth and winning the cup you know what i mean it's like it's not that it's not that mad but there's still a glimmer but i think regardless of what happens this year i think that we've got to seriously now look at what direction do we want to go down we need to have somebody in charge i think that that we envisage being there in five six years time like basically it's an it's another type of pochettino isn't it someone that can actually come in and be stable and give us something rather than somebody that can just that might be able to come in and bring instant success. Yeah. But then with that, it begs the question is who? Like who out there, do you know what I mean, is a is a candidate that can come in and do that? And that's where it then starts to get really difficult. Well, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think even, you know, if <laughs> if if the miraculous does happen and we win we beat City in the League Cup final and we manage to finish fourth, I think that, that that's it's even more of a reason to uh to, to go in a different direction manager wise because then we've got the Champions League to attract a good a, a, like a top more of like a top manager and for me it's always been Nagelsmann because I think you know in that sort of mold of a you know somebody who who kind of has the right approach to the game the right approach to how they deal with players etc we'd have to get the recruitment right because I think by all accounts he's got a really good recruitment team um, the other one I like is Eric Ten Hag, but, but by all accounts, he's on his way to Bayern Munich. Um, you know, because again, I think that Ajax team has has been really been quite something. So you know, and they're you know in keeping of what we want, like sort of stylish European managers, 
that's what we should have at Tottenham, and they and they should be they should be playing in the Champions League in that stadium. And exactly that, it's got to be somebody who's going to be there for a good few years. Who's going to figure out what they want the team to look like, and it can be something that we're proud of. I'm mm. not proud of any of this at the moment. And I think as well, just just my my other point on on Jose, which is what I forgot to mention, there is there's nothing wrong with sort of the club and Levy holding their hands up and saying I got the appointment wrong. Yeah. Because it's like that's like like that's life. Like we make bad decisions and bad choices. Like it happens. It's like I think the worry is that ego creeps in and it's sort of like uh, I, I refuse to accept that I've got this wrong. Like I'm going to and then it becomes absolute chaos. Because I think if they just say, look, this is just not working for it. Like, it can't be enjoyable for Jose either. Like he can't he can't be enjoying it whatsoever at the moment. I just don't think that there's really any. Why did that post? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> This is a man who's made the most money in his career from being sacked. So he's got sacked money and he's got medals. He doesn't need anything else, you know. Who are some contenders for you, ASD? Like, who who would you? Is there anyone that we've not mentioned there that sticks out? It's difficult, isn't it? Because the argument against the young up, well, Eddie Howe isn't even that young anymore. Is like they're good at that level. Like David Moyes is great at that level, and the the. There's a huge difference in between managing a team to be fourth and first. Humongous difference. Like, it's a different game, completely different game. And it's a bit like being, like the bit that winds me up about when people say players, oh, he's good sometimes. The, the bit about being a great player is you, you consistently do it every single time. Mm. And even a player who can be great, uh, like a Bentley, sort of Joe Cole, something like that, it, I would rather have someone who is half as good all the time and the players who are always that good all the time, they're your Canes, they're your Messies, and that's what I want from the manager. And I think the the difference between those two things is significant, and and I'm not sure. I think Jose was that, and he's not. So his nagles, and we have to we we have to take a chance now because we can't afford the best. So I don't know. There's a bit of me which, even though I'm Jose out, is going if if it is about a rebuild, then. Second Jose will cost so much that it'll, it'll sacrifice so much of the rebuild. Mm. We might just have to stick it out for two years. We haven't got any money, and it, if it means losing Son or Kane, or um, uh, or uh, losing Son or Kane plus Jose, or keeping Jose and keeping Son and Kane, I'm keeping Son and Kane and the manager. Mm. You know, it's 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 horrible, but that that might just have to be it. If he decimates the club and makes us miserable for two years, we That's can easily spend thirty million quid on a player that then gets injured. It happens in football. Well, we yeah, spent thirty Mella. million quid on Sissoko and Lamella. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, you've got a quiz for us to do. Yeah, I, it's shorter than last week because we went on a bit. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go to each of you. Actually, what I'll do is I've got ten players. I'm going to give you. I'm going to read out one club. Uh, their first club, then their second club, then their third club. Tottenham's in there at some point. They're all within the last 20 years, so you'll know all of them. And I'm going to give you allow one guess per player. Okay. And then just I I can I can't see you, so just just say when when you want to have a guess. All right. Okay. Okay. So you get one guess. So this well, player. Yeah, all, I get all tense before these quizzes now. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to give you the years. I'm just going to give you the teams. It's, it's going to be harder. So he started at Dinamo Zagreb. Then he went to Inter Sobresic on loan. Then he went to Manchester City. Crenshaw. Luca. 
it is Vedran Chorluka. Of course, it's Chorluka. Ah. Then he went to... Had the right right face, wrong name. <laughs> anyway, beautiful man. Went to All the Croatians are beautiful, Went apart from Modric. Went to Spurs. Still playing, isn't he? He is captain of Lokomotiv Moscow. He's 35. <laughs> yes, Vedran. I used I love to love that. Man. Him and Aaron Lennon, they used to rub <laughs> right in front of me. It's been that the is, slowest, the slowest overlap. Wouldn't yeah. it? Seeing coming a mile off. If those two had the baby, it like, would be like a perfect it. footballer. <laughs> <laughs> um, fine, Jack, you're in the league for the first time ever. <laughs> not even, uh, not even just in these quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, this one is. One, Jack. Uh, Le B. Le Havre. Then he went to Bastia. Then he went to Wigan. Then he went to Tottenham Hotspur. Then from Tottenham, he went to Sunderland. Then he came back to Tottenham for three appearances. Then he went to Blackburn. QPR. And now it gets bad. Doncaster. Market Drayton Town. Carlisle. Arle Avignon. Can you take? Can you go hang back on, to the on, start? Hang, hang on. Say Wigan. Le Havre B. Le Havre, Bastia, Wigan, Tottenham, two thousand six to two thousand eight. Sunderland. I've got it. Go on. Is it Chimbonda? It, Chimbonda. Pascal Chimbonda. Oh. Gloves in April. Gloves in April. I don't know why I feel like I, I had a memory of him playing for Fulham, but maybe I've got I've got just maybe got that wrong. As always, this is um, uh, Wikipedia. Oh, the, the lack of Fulham thing is what threw me. Anyway, uh, Nice B, Nice <laughs> Leon. Sorry, that's, that's really funny. I sort of assumed that was going to be the career path. <laughs> Nice B, Nice, Leon, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, is that Hugo? It is Hugo. Hugo, Hadrian, Dominique Lloris. Who would have known? Très bien. 3-1, three, three, Jack, you have cocked it up. 2-1. Oh, it's 2-1, to be fair. Oh, sorry. Right, Leon, West Ham on loan. Then he moved to West Ham. Then he moved to Tottenham. Then he moved to Sevilla. Freddie Canute. Freddie Canute. I always loved Freddie. Do you remember? I he, love Freddie. He used to. I thought we. He. He won two UEFA cups and he scored loads of goals. And do you remember? Because he, he's a devout Muslim, he put um, tape over the sponsor because it was a gambling sponsor, and he obviously can't be represented by that. Talking about values, and they they had to say, look, you had to play for it, so you have to have it. But they donated loads to a a, a charity for him, which he I thought scored- was really good. He scored that absolute brilliant chested volley. I think oh, it was against yeah. Everton. Mm. It was in a brilliant, brilliant goal. And one of my other favourite goals he got, I can't remember the club it was against, was when, believe it or not, he chased the goalkeeper down, which you would never see Freddie Canute do. And the keeper kicked it, it bounced off his head and went in. And it was just a brilliant it was a Saturday yeah. league goal. It was brilliant. Right then. One, two, three, four, five, six. We're, we're four. Is that 2-2? Two, two? It is 2-2. Two, two. Right then. Uh Almania Aachen, I'm assuming it's German. Schalke, and from Schalke he went to VfL Bochum on loan and to Mainz on loan. Then he came to Tottenham. Lewis Holtby. Yeah, 
Lewis Holtby. Lewis oh, Harry man. Holtby is currently at Blackburn Rovers. Dreadful. Dreadful. I, I did I not get the love. I really did. He ran around a lot, but he was a terrible footballer. The best thing about Lewis Holtby was that he always used to tweet from the dressing room. So there are all these, uh, these excellent photographs of the boys in various states of undress, like celebrating or whatever. That was the best thing he did as far as I was concerned. Longs, Tottenham Hotspur, QPR on loan, Saint-Étienne, Metz, and he's retired. He retired young. Retired at 32. Ooh. So we got him from Lons. Played for Tottenham 2006 to 2015. Benoit Asuekoto. Yes, I loved Akoto. I loved him. I loved him. I loved him. He used to get his hair cut on Tottenham High Road, didn't he? I bumped into him once in a petrol station on Old Street. I was getting, like I was getting this getting petrol Old Street and and he was there and I got all excited didn't even, I don't think I had my phone in my hand or whatever and I went to talk to him and the woman that was with him was giving me proper evils and I was like love I'm a lesbian yeah. I'm not interested in your I'm not interested in him for any other reason apart from the fact that it's Benny in a petrol station on Old Street. Was he filling his smart car up because he used to drive a smart no, car? No, like a proper, it was a proper fancy car. It wasn't his smart car. Yeah. Um, right then, uh, we have four left. Uh, Is that 3-3 three, three, then? Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Auxerre, Tottenham Hotspur, Portsmouth, Tottenham Hotspur. Eunice Kabul. Eunice Kabul. Yes. Sunderland Watford. I had such high hope. I genuinely thought he was going to be a brilliant, brilliant player for us, but never. He had all the attributes, genuinely, to be a top player, but it just didn't, didn't click. There was just something missing, wasn't there? Yeah. Right then. This is a bit harder. There's loads of clubs. Right. Zamalek, Ghent, Ajax. Celta Vigo on loan. Marseille. Roma. Then he came to us on loan. And then we bought him. Then he went to Middlesbrough. Then he went to Wigan on loan from Middlesbrough. Back to Zamalek on loan. Mido. Zamalek. That was a clue. Zamalek starting in Egypt. Well, he went back to Zamalek for three appearances. And then he he finished up Barnsley for one appearance. That's sad, isn't it? But he was, wasn't he this extreme wealth? He came from extreme wealth. I remember his first game was away at Portsmouth, I think. Because I went to that game. We couldn't get tickets. So I sat in the Portsmouth end and he scored. And it was like, this is the beginning of something beautiful. And then obviously it wasn't. No. I also remember quite a few years ago, him, because he's brilliant on Twitter, he'll just tweet random stuff. And I remember him tweeting Spurs maybe like four or five years ago and sign Mohamed Salah from Basel. He's so much better. (laughs) Brilliant. If you have a look, there's two sentences in his personal life. We've got two left. Uh, in 2002, Mido married at eight, at 19 and later had three sons. But my favourite one is, at the age of 34, which is my age, he reached 150 kilograms, 330 pounds in weight, which made him vulnerable to diabetes. But he managed to lose 37 kilograms in five months. Oh, is that on his Wikipedia page? <laughs> yeah. And it's no, wonder, no wonder he's only making one appearance at Barnsley. 
Surely one appearance counts as two when you're 150 kilo. Uh, right then. A uh, bit older. So Watford, Norwich City, Blackburn Rovers, Tottenham Hotspur, Portsmouth, Coventry. You finished at Coventry. So he started at Watford in 1987. Oh. Ha <laughs> ha You got it. Does he come from Bora Wood? He does come from Bora Wood. Did he manage us once as well? He did well? manage us in a gilet. <laughs> did his best. Tim to... Sherwood. Yeah. You've got and the it... highest, win, highest win percentage of any Spurs manager well, in the Premier League. Well, there's been some Not videos going around, haven't there, where he just said the complete need about how the they're too nice in the dressing room and the club needs a complete shake-up. Maybe he was right. Last one. This is this is a bit tougher uh, because he started his professional career at Reading. Okay. Then he went to Shrewsbury and Crew Alexandra on loan. Then he moved to Hoffenheim, 1899 Hoffenheim. Then went to Swansea on loan. Then we bought him. Gilfie Gilfie. But start, started in Reading. Who would have it's our draw. Him, I you, love yeah. Gilfie. Best goal I've ever seen live. And I just, I lo- I've always loved an attacking midfielder. I love an attacking midfielder and I love a defensive midfielder. I, d- I just love them. I don't know why. Because all the others are quite extreme, aren't they? Like, either at the back or at the front or out yeah. wide. Whereas these, they're in the middle, they've just got loads to do. So they, it's far more complex, their job. I think that was well, a, Jack Hadrian. That was that. You're happy with that? I'll take a draw all day. All day. Well, happy with that. With high scoring draw, five all, just what we want to see. In fact, as soon as you said Eunice Kabul, all I thought of was that 125-year anniversary game where he, thank goodness we didn't lose it, thanks to Eunice Kabul popping up in literally the last second. It was that was was Villa, Villa, yeah, they were four-one up, Villa, weren't they? Because I remember them going four-one up and then then the away end singing "Happy Birthday to You," and I just thought that was (laughs) really muggy. That was excellent, really. Like, you know, you get those chants, don't you, where it's just, like, really foul and abusive. But, like, that was, like, that was just funny. Like, yeah. I really rated that. But yeah. we had the last laugh. Eunice Kabul had the last laugh. I just, I'm looking at my football, you know, my football sheet of all the games I've been to. And I was just looking back at three. I was just trying to find the highest scoring draw I've ever been to. But I went to three games in a row. It was the last season at White Hart Lane where it was Swansea at home, Stoke at home and Millwall at home. Millwall in the FA Cup, which was 5-0, 4-0, 6-0. That mm. is... A good return, isn't it? I still think we would have the league after that uh, unbeaten season at White Hart Lane if we hadn't gone to Wembley. Yeah, with that, that thing. I know, but you know. It's all right, we've got Jose now. There was a brilliant um, line in Orange is the New Black, if you have ever watched it. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a happy new year. <laughs> that's how I feel about some of this sometimes. That's great. You know that's I was great. wishing walking through some forest yesterday and I was with the kids and I, they just make me sigh and I just wish sighing was like a core exercise because I I'd be like a gymnast right now spurs make me sigh whales make me sigh like kids make me sigh I'd just be so strong <laughs> well one reason that you haven't got a sigh Esther, is that we haven't got to watch spurs this week because it's an international break so that's good that's ruining be... your weekend <laughs> There'll be, there'll be a li- little less sign and a little bit more positivity in every Spurs fan's life this weekend. Um, well, we're going to do a pod next Monday, right? We've got to, we'll, we'll do something. We'll still do one. We'll do a retro one or we'll just talk even more nonsense than usual um, on one and, and not have to review a game, which might be quite nice. 
Um, Chris, you have so many other business for us. I do. I think it's a really, it's a momentous day, actually, in the women's game in this country. And I just think it's worth noting. So today, the WSL announced a three-year broadcasting deal with Sky and the BBC, which is the biggest broadcasting deal for women's football in the world. So um, we're gonna, it's going to have the biggest football audience after the Premier League in this country. Wow. And as I say, the biggest women's football coverage in the world. Um, one of the exciting things I saw in uh, Susie Rack's article today was that it's, it's, we're going to get the full Sky Sports treatment. So actually, mm. that's going to make a big difference in terms of, um, the, you know, the analysis of the games, the cameras, that it's going to be like normal to have on Sky Sports News and free to air on the BBC, where, you know, as again, as Susie Rack said, it's kind of conceivable that a big WSL game that's shown on B- on the BBC One could attract a bigger viewing figures than a Premier League game on Sky or BT. Yeah, that's and, amazing. You know, so there's some interesting things for current match going fans who find it difficult because, of course, the timings is going to have this some of the things that that we worry about, like as away fans mostly, but also on those days of like, how do you book time off work if you're not sure what it's going to happen because it's going to get moved for TV and all the rest of it. But I think it's what we need to build the game because they're still in build. Um, they haven't, you know, they're still building and they're in build stage. So you want reach. And actually, that's how you're going to get reach and proper coverage and change of and sort of upgrading the facilities. And, you know, that coverage as well means that you're, the clubs are going to be able to do their own sponsorship deals. So there's money that's going into the clubs, but there's also giving the clubs opportunities. So it's a really exciting uh, day for the women's game. It's going to have an impact on us at Spurs, which is great. Um, and um, actually, there is a game that we might want to talk about mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the international break, obviously not. Uh, on Saturday, we are playing, the women's team are playing Arsenal at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Which, which is brilliant. Be, which is brilliant, which will be very weird, considering there won't be anyone in it um, for for them. But I think that's a, it's, it's, gonna, it's an exciting game. It'll be something for us to talk about. And it's a crucial time for the women's team, because actually um, we drew one all with Bristol City, who are below us in the league. And it was really an important game. And we didn't manage to eke out a win, even though we went 1-0 up. So... Um, it's going to be an important game to at least kind of show our intent um, against Arsenal. So, yeah, definitely. But that's such brilliant news for the women's game, though. It's yeah. like, and hopefully, like that's just sort of like the beginning of, you know, seeing it really sort of kick on to the next level, which everyone wants to see. Exactly, exactly. And I, you know, like as with everything, anything on social media, you've got loads of you've got all those people who say, "Who cares?" Well, actually, loads of people care because if they didn't, you wouldn't have had this much investment. And you know, yeah. thinking about the broadcasters doing all this, doing all this work, so uh, it's really exciting. And I think it'll it'll kind of it's a game changer for want yeah. of a better way of putting it. And I used to love, you know, when the games were being played over at it was at Chessent, wasn't it? FC. Yeah. I used to love going over there when I could and watch those games because, like, the fan experience of going, you know, being going to White Hart Lane and watching the men's side and then going over to Chesnut and watching the, the women's team was like, you, you could literally, like, have a chat with the players off the game. Yeah. Like, it was absolutely fantastic. Like, it really, really was. It was affordable. It was, like, good standard of football. It was exciting. It was, like, I used to really, really enjoy those days going over there and watching them. Yeah. It is. A, I completely agree with you. I mean, the facilities weren't right at Chesant, but it's a bit more, you know, just from a personal perspective, a bit more of a trek to get to the hike, but a, the, mm. a bit of a hike to get to the hive. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess we'll figure it out because, you know, I don't think Edgeware is a is a permanent 
Um, yeah, no. It's a permanent, you know, but it's a two-year deal, I think, so we're there this year. So we'll see. See, see what happens. See yeah, what happens. but it's exciting and it's important for us and hopefully it will help us push on. Yeah, brilliant. Well, that's fantastic. Um, any more before I end this week's show? Please don't anyone get injured when they're playing for England. <laughs> well, son, son's not going, is he? Which is good. Oh, son not going, that's good. That's why I've heard. I've heard well, any of them, actually. Crossed. I don't want any of them to get injured. Yeah, fingers crossed for that. Brilliant. Well, thank you, everybody at home, for listening. Uh, Chris, ASD, a pleasure as always. always. I remember whatever happens, future's bright, future's lily white. Come on, you Spurs. I always thought there was very, very many people interested in football, and I always thought that football was a very important game, but I never realised until today just how important it is. Whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. The curve of the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2. It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next. We are Blanchflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.